stay on top of all meaningful top trending stories right here on SAFM. Leading the conversation. Well, you know the number, of course, 086-000-2032. Over the weekend, the Amabangane Centre for Investigative Journalism and the Morty Group were in court for a second time. After the Morty Group said Amabungani was benefiting from a series of documents stolen from a former employee. The first ruling, made on Thursday last week, was made without Amabungani being able to present their argument. That ruling said Amabungani had to return the documents. Then on Saturday morning, in a second ruling, another judge in the same court said that Amabungani did not have to return the documents now, but is not allowed to publish more reports based on those documents until the case resumes in October. All of this is about a series of reports published by Amabungani over the last few months. They detail how Zunaid Morty appears to have very close ties with politicians in Zimbabwe and directly with the president there, Emerson Mangagwa. There's been other reporting. Amabungani says at one point, while Morty owed the bank Investec 2.8 billion rand, the person Investec employed to negotiate with him had in fact been lent money by Morty. And that Investec did not know about this. Well, the founder of the Morty Group is Zunaid Morty. He's on the line for you now. Mr. Morty, good morning. Good morning, and thank you very much for having me this morning. I hope you are. I'm well. Thank you for taking the time. Um, Amma Bungani has been running a series of articles based on these documents, and you claim that the documents they use, they are using were stolen. And from what I can see, you say they were stolen by a, for, uh, by a former employee. Can you prove that? Yes, certainly. Just to give you some background, uh, during the course of the end of last year, uh, an employee stole some of the documents, and... Just to put it into context, he stole over 4,000 documents. Whistleblowers don't do that. When there's a problem and they feel there's a corruption or any form of impropriety, they draw documents relevant to that and they give it to the authorities. They don't give it to competitors or other business colleagues or the media for that matter. But in any event, the documents were stolen and uh, they found their way to Amabungane. And a criminal case was opened at the end of last year, which is still under uh, police investigation at the moment. Later on, we proved that he had stolen and downloaded the documents by forensic investigators, which has been supplied to the police and a warrant of arrest was issued. So the documents that Amabugane has, they slipped up about two weeks ago when they sent me a bunch of questions again, and they supplied me with one of the documents. And those documents were then metadata and proven that they were taken off our server. Now, our contention has always been that, you know what, we know you have our documents, please can you at least supply us a copy of what you have so that when you're asking us questions, we know it's an authenticated copy and that we can give you a good answer. And we have been at all times giving them the correct answers in terms of their questions to us, irrespective of the fact that they haven't been supplying us with the documents they're referring to. They're operating very clandestine. They keep the documents in the server overseas. I can't imagine why that is. Um, and they keep it overseas surely because they're trying to protect something or the stolen documents themselves. When they got, when they got caught having uh, stolen documents by virtue of the metadata, they then came forward and said, you know what, we have the documents, but they're overseas and we have no control of it. And the moment they got caught, we went to court on an ex parte basis because had we given them, and it's a, it's a normal court process that, by the way, uh, and we went that way simply because had we given them notice, they could have destroyed it, given it to somebody else, or made it disappear in any event. And, they, and as soon as they got the order last week, Thursday, we presented it to them and said, please give the documents back. But the order wasn't only about giving the documents back, sir. The order was, 
you should not print any more articles around these stolen documents, number one. And number two, you should return the document. They then rushed as though someone has been killed on a Saturday morning to, this, to a judge, abused the court process, and the judge slammed them and basically said, you should not be coming here on urgency with this matter. But nonetheless, you should hang on to the document until such stage as uh, this matter finds its way out. The only problem with that, though, is that they're hanging on to a bunch of documents and they're saying they're not in control of it. So how do they actually ensure that it's preserved or that it's not tampered with, etc.? Okay. So, anyway, so I, 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 accept, I accept all of that. Um, mm. And there's a big argument that can be had about uh, documents and public interest. And I'm going to come to that. I just want to go through a couple of things based on some of the reporting. A big part of this yeah. is about your relationship with the Zimbabwean president, Emerson Mangagwa. And Amabongani's yeah. published part of what they say is your correspondence with him. And in fact, from what they say, your company has an agreement in Zimbabwe where if there is a dispute between the company and the government, you, Zunaid Moti, deal directly with President Emerson Mangagwa. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, look, I haven't got the document in front of me, and I'm not being evasive, but I've looked at some of those documents. Mm. I can't authenticate all of it, but your question, to answer your question, I think on one of those occasions, that is correct. And that's nothing untoward. There are many agreements in Zimbabwe that follow the same order. When there are disputes with major companies in Zimbabwe, it is the presidential office that generally gets involved to resolve things in an amicable way so business can continue and, and there can be an effect to a solution very quickly. The court process is very solid in Zimbabwe, just by the way, but generally when you are a foreign direct investment and you have what's called national project status, because you've invested more than $100 million, you generally have that ability for the presidential office, the deputy president, and ministers to be actively involved in resolving matters. It's not uncommon. It may very well be uncommon in South Africa, but certainly in Zimbabwe, it's very common where you can get the president or minister to mediate a solution so you can move forward in business. Okay, but that so, 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 so hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, that would mean then for your businesses to be successful in Zimbabwe, if the person that you deal with directly is in fact the president, your relationship with him really matters. Like it's really important. You won't uh, be I, able to run a business in Zimbabwe at this scale with national project status unless you have a good relationship with the president. That must be right. No, that's not right, actually. You know, Zimbabwe, when you look at how they actually operate, the president is there and presiding president to run the country. Generally, you would liaise with the people on the ground in the division that you're operating in and then move up from a ministerial level. For example, let me just give a practical example. If you're having some difficulty with your export of your product, you would then approach something called the MMCZ for its inter intervention so they could speed up that particular process. And if it doesn't work, you go to the Ministry of Mines. When it doesn't work, you escalate it to the minister himself. When it doesn't work or you're not receiving success, it can go up to the president's office. There's a process. You don't just ring the president up and say, listen, I have a problem. Can I come over for a coffee? It doesn't work like that. But there's a process where the president does make himself available. The president's office makes themselves available to resolve important issues for foreign direct investments. And yes, you can run a business without the president being involved, but it's always good to have the ear of the president's office, to have all the uh, ear of the ministry's office, etc. It's, it's quite normal. It's, I, I find it quite odd. Maybe they haven't done business in, in Zimbabwe. Okay. You, you say you don't just ring up the president, and I accept that. Um, 
Except there was a period where it seemed maybe you did. And let me explain. And I'm speaking metaphorically. There was a period, a a very difficult period for you in Germany, Mr. Morty. Um, And I mean, and from what I can see, it doesn't look like you were treated fairly. But let me explain the context. You were being held Mm -hmm. on an Interpol warrant. This was in 2018. There was a dispute between yourself and a Russian business person. It was over a Mm -hmm. pink diamond. And in the end, you were released. There was no finding against you. Okay, so so that's the context. During Mm -hmm. that time, you wrote to President Mungai were asking him for his help. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, you know, let me tell you, the President Managagwa, and I think I'd like to put it in context, was the first person I got into contact with in a province called Quekwe when I went to Zimbabwe in 2014 or 15. And he was presiding over that particular province. He wasn't a minister, if I'm not mistaken, or the vice president or the president at that stage. And he was the catalyst for me making the investments in Zimbabwe. He was there the first day I dug the ground open for African cornfields. And he became a friend to myself in the context that I had, I had based some trust in him and his opinion around Zimbabwe. So he, we had become friends, and I reached out to him. I mean, I reached out not only to him, I reached out to Sir Peter Lord Hain, uh, who, who's a, 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 a representative at the House of Lords. I reached out to many other people. I even reached out to our own president, just as a matter of interest, and to ask him for, for assistance. Because at the time, I felt that I had no voice and that no one was there to help me. And so I did reach out to him. And I don't believe that that's a crime in any way. And uh, I was actively involved in both these countries. Uh, I didn't receive any support from President Ramaphosa. Uh, uh, and, and I also haven't received any support. I won't say support, but anything that could materially have affected my relief out of Zimbabwe's president either. But I did reach out to both of them. Okay. In your letters to him, you called him uncle. Is that right? Yes, uh, it's, uh, and that's correct. You know, he was an older man, and all, and all the time I knew him, I always used to refer to him as uncle. It was a respectful way of dealing with, with matters, and I'm quite surprised that you find that odd. As the president, obviously, you can never address him today as, uh, as uncle. And if I had met him today, which I haven't met him for maybe over a year, I would address him as his excellency. So okay. there is a good, I mean, I've never for once said there wasn't a good relationship. And there is a fantastic one. I think the issue is, and the more, more important issue is, has that ever resulted in me receiving un- unfair treatment, or, or should I say better treatment than anybody else okay. would. And, and, and I've ch- challenged those boys at Amamungani, and I said, listen, show me one thing that we received, just one, not ten, one thing that I've received that I shouldn't have in the normal course of business and in the process that was followed in Zimbabwe. And they haven't been able to do that. So okay. what's the purpose of that article? Okay. Uh, I mean, maybe, you know, the, the, the phrase uncle could mean malume in a South, Southern African context, maybe. Um, yeah. You, you, you described Mangagwa a moment ago as your friend. Um, mm-hmm. Is he a Democrat? Does he believe in freedom for his people? Look, I'm not going to get into a political argument because I believe that the century when they posted the article, which was the precipitation of the articles in Amabungani, was a political move. And I've become just collateral damage. The issue is quite simple. There's an election going forward in Zimbabwe. They should be allowed to have a free and fair election. They should be allowed to have their processes followed as it should be in a country that has a democracy, which I believe it is. And they should not have interference. But this is general interference and opinions that are coming out from South African journalists as well as uh, British and American journalists, journalists to create upheaval around this particular election. And that's really what I see in it. I can't see more than that. Why would the century write all of what they did and then it's regurgitated by Amamungane in South Africa because I don't actually don't know why, but I respect the Senti writing their opinion, giving it like gentlemen, behaving like good journalists, having integrity in the way they've done it, despite that I don't agree with it. 
and leaving it at that so that we could defend ourselves. This, what Amabungani is doing, is just harassment. When you look at their website, yes, sir, you'll find more than 50% of the articles are all the time about me. And in addition, Adrian Basson is continuously spinning the stories of uh, Sam Saul because they have a 30- or 40-year relationship, and, and I never have an opportunity to say anything. So when you talk about gagging, it's, it's those guys okay. not allowing me to give my sure. thing. But, but, Mr. Morty, if I read those articles, you're quoted widely, uh, and often they, they've given you a right of reply at each stage, haven't they? That, that's what it looks like. Have, have, they, have there been moments where they haven't given you a right of reply? There have been many moments where they haven't given me a, a right of reply, particularly in News 24. Ajit Basan sits in there and feels that he's someone like, so important and God left him in charge of media. It's ridiculous. They wrote an article this morning, an opinion piece as an example, with no one's name behind it. It's bollocks. This is not me attacking the media. I assure you that. In my entire okay. career in South Africa, I've never, never been to court to interdict any media ever. But if you steal and you're part of theft, what do you want me to do? I, are we saying that my constitutional right or your constitutional right is better than the journalist and that the journalists have a right to steal? I mean, I was looking at something something very important, the press code. It says, obtain news legally, honestly, and fairly. And correct me okay. if I'm wrong with this. I'm not reading this, you know, but... Anyway, I want you to ask your question. No, sure. To... You, you, talk about the press, you talk about the press code, and I'm glad you talk about yeah. the press code. Have you complained yeah. to the people who manage the press code, which is the press ombud? Yes. You know, I was asked that question a few times. It doesn't give me the relief I require. Now, and it takes too Every, long. It gives I the need... relief everybody else requires. What's different no, with you? No, it doesn't. I'll explain to you, when I require my documents to be returned, and I'm going to explain that quickly to you just now, the press ombudsman cannot authorize these people to return my documents, now can they? And the time that it takes to get that done is impossibly long. The court process that I followed was one that is there and available to every single person. I never broke the, the law. I went through a process that, that's available to everybody. A competent judge heard this. A competent judge said it's fine. A competent judge slam them with the order that, that they have, unless they're, they're now saying there's something wrong with the judge. With, uh, there's been rumblings in the background, how could this judge have given this order? Of course, it's, it's a legitimate case. There's an order being granted. But when you look at my, my documents, and I just want to bring in a very important point because I, have raised, I haven't raised this fully. When I talk about the documents, so in my documents is IP, which is our intellectual property of certain mining assets. Since 2014 and 15, we developed an asset called Alumithermic in, in South Africa, which cost the company about 2.8 billion rand in terms of research and development. Those documents are, high, are in these documents that have been stolen. Now, the fact that they haven't printed anything about it doesn't give them the right and entitlement to hold it. Okay. Nevertheless, we went and we built a factory in Zimbabwe, an additional factory for about 600 million, and the factory is about to open in the next one month. If that IP gets out, as an example, it creates, uh, it's a revolutionary IP which allows normal uh, uh, chromium material to be reduced with no electricity. And I say that with no electricity sure. using chemical process. If it were to be in the hands of other people, we'd lose the value of our IP. I mean, can you imagine if Tesla's special coatings mm. and if Tesla's a, a, a special uh, uh, IP were stolen, do you think that Elon Musk would just be sitting saying, let the media write? No, well, sure. That's fine. Okay. I mean, come on, man. All right. Now, I accept that. I mean, it's like the Coke formula or the KFC formula being stolen. Okay, yes. I accept that. Someone used the same example yesterday. Okay. All right. There is another yes. issue I want, to, I want to get more from you, if you don't mind. There's a story they've also published, Amar Bagani's published, around a man called Jonathan Epstein. You know him. He worked for Investic, and then he worked for you. You know who I'm talking about. Yes, okay. absolutely. 
Okay, so just to get the facts straight, you owed Investec 2.8 billion rand. Nothing wrong with that. It's the normal course of business. You, you run a big group. You owed Investec 2.8 billion rand. You're involved in negotiations with them. They're worried about their loan. It's 2.8 billion rand. If someone owed me 2.8 billion rand, I'd be worried about it too. One of the people negotiating with you, representing Investec, so he represented Investec, was Jonathan Epstein. And you lent him personally 2.5 million rand. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Let, me, let me explain that because everyone's making a big story out of it. And I think it's quite simple. He worked for Investec. And while he was working for Investec, he was negotiating or he was part of the negotiation team with Investec. Incidentally, I owed Investec a lot more than $2.8 billion, And currently, my exposure is just under $100 million. We have no litigation with them. And sure. neither do they have with us. And we've never had litigation. They're a fantastic bunch of guys. Whilst this was going on, Jonathan found himself unhappy there. With Investec's permission, and at that stage, the MD of the bank's permission, he came to work for me because he had institutional knowledge and was able to assist their team in resolving matters amicably. Obviously, we'd done a transaction that was concluded amicably, and he was in work for me. It wasn't a surprise, man. The guys every day were meeting with him, meeting with my legal team, meeting with me, and we with them. It wasn't a secret. They knew about these particular issues. The loan, they were aware of it at the same time. So, you know, if there was any difficulty with Investec, as an example, there would have been some sort of repercussion and recourse by them. There were no issues. It was quite open. So they, Everybody, so they, this is very important. You say they knew about it. Of course. And they knew that he was going to work for me. I asked their permission. They were happy with it. Eventually, what had happened is that he went on after the transaction was done and found himself going into a business that was a failed business, which we had supported. And it was fine. We lost a bit of money. We did lend him money. I didn't know it was illegal to lend anybody money. I've lent many employees money. I've lent many people that's outside of the group lots of money. What's important, though, and I think very important for me to mention, is that that is not public worthiness. I can't seem to understand. I have a personal issue I, with the bank. I owe them money. I settle their money. An employee comes to work for me. How is that public interest? Well, Yes, it's interesting. It's interesting. I agree it's hmm. interesting. But there's a diff- difference between something being interesting and a public interest. That's an invasion of my privacy, man. Well, I suppose it all rests on whether Investec actually knew. You say they did. But, I mean, to turn things around, if, for example, I owed you 2.8 billion rand and uh, Dondo Mokhajane, who I think is your CEO at the moment, was negotiating on your behalf and I had lent him 2.5 million rand, that to me, and I'm not in business, I know nothing about it, but it looks to me a bit strange. It looks, I mean, I don't know how happy I would be if I were you in that context. Because what that means no. is that the negotiator has two mandates. No. The negotiator is negotiating no. for you and for themselves. Sorry. That's the problem. Let me tell you what Jonathan Epstein done, and maybe that will just help you understand this. Jonathan Epstein was an administrative banker. He was not involved in anything to do with the negotiation of the transaction itself. There was a subcommittee that Investec had, and the subcommittee reported to a full committee from the credit and risk perspective who reported to a board. Not one particular decision was taken by him. Not one particular uh, uh, condemnation of any form or sort was taken by him in any event. But yes, I can understand your perspective. Never misunderstand, Investec is a bank, and we're an institution that advances monies into businesses every single day. So based on your example, I, if Dr. Mokhoshani had a loan with Standard Bank, and I was negotiating with Standard Bank a transaction, uh, as an example, should I have an issue with that? <laughs> but the point is, the, the point rests on whether they knew. You say they knew. So 
Let's... Look, if they, let me put it this way. If they didn't know, there would certainly have been some rumblings. Mm. They would have said, listen, we don't know. We're suing this guy. But you're very naughty. We have no litigation. We're fine. Our transactions have been completed. I've spoken to them in the last couple of weeks. We have regular meetings around whatever is left in, in order for us to finish off. But as I said, our exposure is well under 100 million rand, all the way down from maybe 7 or 8 billion in total. And, and we're fine. There's no issue. They've known about this. But this is a guy trying to scratch where it's not itching. You know, the issue is, even if it were our issue, Investec and mine, it's got nothing to do with Amabungani and certainly not of any public interest. Well, so, I mean, you keep. I mean, I mean, I can turn that around and say, why keep it hidden then? I mean, if this is how you conduct business, why shouldn't everybody know? Yes, why shouldn't everybody know how you conduct your business? Well, as an example, people how would do. you like it? <laughs> no, not really. I don't think people have got your bank statement. Sure. I don't think people okay. have printed your bank statement. No, sure. Um, you obviously want your documents back, and I understand that. And if I were you, Mr. Motti, so would I, especially when you, you talk about the intellectual property. Um, yeah. Let me put that to just one side for a moment. I realize that, that may be slightly unfair, but I think I must ask you to do that. I'm sure you're also aware of the concept of public interest. So, for example, in my view, it was absolutely in the public interest for people to publish the Gupta leak emails. They told us about things that were happening involving our yeah. government at the time and the Guptas. Yeah. And the Zondo Commission has shown that, that almost all of that from what we know was true. And I support that. Okay. So then you understand the principle and you support the principle. Amabungani's argument yeah. is that what they are publishing is in the public interest. And look, you and I can argue until the cows no, come home around no, what's but, in the but, public interest, but you understand on. it. No, no. I think I must come in there. If you're going to compare me to a group that we have an issue. I've never done any business with the sure. South African government or the Zimbabwean government. I've not done any business with ESCOM. I've not done any contracting or supplied governments with any particular uh, equipment or any form of supply of any material goods. I haven't taken loans from any government. I haven't been in any inquisitions relating to the government, including uh, this particular latest uh, inquisition called the uh, what do they call this, Zondo Commission. I haven't been in any of these commissions. I don't do business with government. The only one thing I've ever done, which I was questioned about on TV, is supply the president with one of our aircrafts to use one day. And then they said we had an, uh, an unnatural relationship. I don't even know the guy. I haven't even spoken to him. But the reality is that how do you compare me with Guptas? How do you even make this? Well, I wasn't, I wasn't comparing you, but I'm making the argument about public interest. You understand the argument yeah. about public interest. I'm not comparing you to the Guptas at all. I don't, see, I don't see how I could. Thank you. But the issue for me is I don't do any business. How can I be of public interest? I, having, said what, having heard what you said, how do you draw the lines that I've done any work with government or government institutions or any ministers in South Africa or for that matter in Zimbabwe? You Amabugani people have been unable to put a blemish on me. I haven't done business with anybody, not and I don't even know other government institutions because I don't deal with them. Or for that matter in Zimbabwe, I haven't supplied them with anything. How do you draw that? I mean, are they just not being naughty, saying, listen, here's a guy of interest. He does things quite differently. He's quite a stubborn fellow at times. He doesn't really back down. And he's got a, a good chutzpah in the way he does his business. Let's have a look at him. He must be doing something wrong.
Okay, Mr. Morty, uh, we are we are out of time, I'm afraid. Um, and I must just say, I mean, you and I, I think, will disagree on many things. But what I do appreciate, because many people in your position have not done this, is that you've come on and taken the questions and given us answers. So I may just say thank you very much indeed for that thank and for you. coming it's on. Fantastic! I, I really applaud you for the way you've done it. I, I commend you on it because I think that you've done it in a very amazing way, where you've extracted the correct type of answers that you need. And thank you very much for being a gentleman. Sure, I think I'm going to be thrown out of the journalist bar for that tonight. Morty is the founder of the Motti Group.